You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for episode 167 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Michelle. And that's it. It's the two of us this week. How's it going, Michelle? It's good. Um, having some mild microphone problems, but other than that, um, not bad. A little tired from coming. I think like the I was in Lake Arrowhead this weekend in Big Bear. So there was like Big Bear is like seven thousand feet above sea level. Oh boy! So yeah, the altitude was kind of that's some messy, thin but... oxygen. Oh yeah, and it was like it was it was so beautiful because there was so much snow and like oh my god, it was like a winter wonderland and I was so happy. But yeah, it was it was tough goings, man. Like the altitude was messing with me. I I didn't like I was so hungry, but I couldn't eat. Because I just would, I wasn't, I couldn't fill my belly. I was just getting nauseous. It was like the weirdest feeling. Like I was starving, but also nauseous when I, as soon as I put something in my mouth, like it was just the weirdest feeling ever. And my friend who I was with was like, do you, like, why are you so peckish this weekend? Like, do you even eat? And I was like, I do. (laughs) I eat a lot. (laughs) Were you guys cooking for yourselves or was it like you were just at a restaurant or just snacking stuff like that? We went to a restaurant. Like we were going to cook for ourselves, but then um, when we were going down to uh, Arrowhead, usually it's only like. Um, with no traffic, it's like an hour, an hour and a half away. It's really close by. And that's why we were like, oh, it's great. It's just an hour away. Like we can do a quick, like weekend away. And, um, when we got down there, like we left at like one thirty, so that we wouldn't hit traffic and then boom, like we were in like three and a half hours of traffic. Uh, so nope. we were just kind of like not in the mood to like cook for ourselves anymore after that. So we were just like, all right, let's not go to the supermarket. And then we didn't go to the supermarket before we left so like by the time we get into like Lake Arrowhead it's such a small town in the middle of like a mountainous forest it's part of the San Bernardino National Forest so like there's literally nothing so we're oh, just kind of like yeah, I've heard I've heard cooking at altitude is is different like it's you've got to adjust oh, yeah. all your cooking times and I I don't know if I'm I'd be prepared to deal with that yeah and I feel like my body like trying to regulate your like body temperature was really weird because it was so cold but like with the when we turned the heating on, it was just so hot that I was like sweating <laughs> and I couldn't sleep. I I felt like I was dying like from heat. But then like I but then if you turn it off, we were like freezing. So it's just there was like no in between. It was either one extreme or the other. Awesome. <laughs> kind of like great. Well, but it was fun and it was a great experience and like I had no service, so it was nice to like kind of be forcibly taken away from social media. Yeah, this, uh, that, that's the only way sometimes that will actually get offline is. To not be able to access it, which is, I, I think, sometimes beneficial. Yeah. Between that and not wanting my phone to fall on a rock and into, like, a freaking ravine when I was hiking, um, because we kind of climbed up the side of some rocks, like, I was terrified I was going to drop my phone. Um, so I just, like, put it in my backpack. So I literally wasn't even on my phone at all. I think I have, like, 
15 photos from the weekend because I was just ignoring like any sort of phone. It was just so unlike me. But, uh, <laughs> That's you know. not the Michelle I know. I know, right? I like <laughs> live my entire life online. Like everybody knows every personal thing about my life. <laughs> Yet I just had like an offline weekend. It was super awesome. It kind of reminds me of probably what it like oddly what it's probably like to live on like one of the desert planets or like Jakku or like Tatooine. But the thing is, like, it's not technically a desert. It's a forest. But the hike was kind of where... So you're like an Ewok then. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Which is, like, very on brand for me because as everyone who's listening knows or people who may not know me yet know that I am, like, a huge fan of Ewoks. And I don't care if you don't like them. But I identified with them a lot growing up because I was bilingual and I just felt like they understood me. Um, But I don't know. Are you are you a fan of the the blinking Ewok or the non-blinking Ewok? Mm, I feel like each Ewok is a different me depending on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> like um blinking Ewok is I mean you you can pull them out for like anything you need. Like blinking Ewok is like you can do it like I can't believe you're talking about that like blinking Ewok or like I did you really just say that blinking Ewok? But you could also do a non-blinking Ewok reaction. Like, it's just... The Ewok reactions are so, like, versatile. Like, I mean... It's, it's the, also, like, the little head tilts. Yeah. Wicket's got this good little head tilt in, in Return of the Jedi. It's like, oh, oh he's like a totally. dog. Seriously? And one of my favorite um, gifts to use when I'm talking to someone is the gif of... Um, of uh, is it Wicket who's petting the, the human child? at the campfire like it's just a like very quick sped up version of that like on loop of him petting the kid like staring into the screen it's so awkward and funny but I use it as like a weird reaction gif and it always makes people laugh because it's just so awkward just use it by default yeah I think I used it on a twitter thread where someone asked I can't remember who asked this I'm sure one of the listeners can like will tweet it like it was me but um they were like hey like uh reply with your favorite Star Wars gif and I used that one and someone was like well oh it was Michael Moretti is Michael Moresi he was like reply with your favorite favorite Star Wars gif and I'll send you an e-arc of the new uh We Are Renegades which is the sequel to his book Black Star Renegades which is amazing um but uh yeah he was like that's not fair <laughs> like you cheat you, like you're disqualified I was like dude I already have the arc like it's okay I'm just playing for fun <laughs> But he was like, seriously, that's hilarious. And I was like, it's my favorite. Like, it's my most used gift. There's but, a, yeah, um, there's some gifts that we all just tend to gravitate to. And I, exactly. but every week I find a new one that I'm like, wow, this is that, oh this is special. I used, today I used, um, I used the gift of the kids, uh, like, uh, what's the girl from Little Miss Sunshine in, uh, the Mel Gibson movie Signs which is one of my favorite awkward, weird M. Night Shyamalan movies. But the scene where they're wearing the tinfoil hats, because my friend and I were talking, like he asked me about my suitcase, which is like from a specific brand. Um, and we were talking about the brand. And then like he texted me after, a, like his he pulled up his Instagram and there was an ad of that suitcase brand <laughs> that like popped up. And we're like, oh my God, they're oh, listening Oh boy. To us. They're yeah, they're listening. listening. Of course they're they are. Listening. Yeah, because we were listening to a podcast called Ologies where they were talking about um, how that's actually a thing. Like, that there's, they actually do that. It's a real thing. It's not just us, like, thinking that it's a real thing. It's, like, an actual real thing, and that's how 
sometimes people check in on like uh, video gaming and gaming, like if like uh, and personalities and stuff like that. And research. Yeah, the, the uh, Vizio brand TVs they got nailed mm-hmm. for watching yep. customers without their consent or knowledge. Which is creepy because so I creepy. Have it's the Vizio worst. TVs, so. Oh, good, good. I'm 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 sure I put you right at ease. <laughs> I know, right? Oh man, that that now that's creepy. But you know, you know what? Okay. One thing I was thinking about this weekend because we've taken on this thing at my house. I guess over the last little while, it's become more regular than not. Is it, I'm calling it now like Star Wars Sunday, where we just watch one of the movies, and oh. usually I let the kids decide. I'm like, just pick one. Like I don't care. And actually, we didn't do it today. Today we ended up watching uh, Civil War. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was it. Was a good break. That that's a great movie. But I, I it makes me wonder. Like how many times or how often I watched Star Wars as a kid, like for it to have gotten into my head, you know, to the point where you could recite it. How many times do you, did you really have to watch it? Like in my brain, it was hundreds of times, but I bet you it's not. I bet you as, cause kids pick things up so quickly. I bet you it was more like dozens. You know what I mean? Probably like, um, they say that to become an expert at something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. So I would guess you watched it for 10,000 hours, but I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to watch one movie for 10,000 hours because like you have all of the movies and all the shows. So like the more time you spend with Star Wars, I feel like, I mean, you would, it would go in your brain, but you're right. As a child, you don't have to watch it that many times. It like is ingrained in your brain because I would know my parents would be able to tell you that I can they are so over watching Legally Blonde and Bring It On. <laughs> and like, I mean, Star Wars was obvious. I think there was like a Twitter poll today about like what was the most watched movies in your childhood. And I was like, yeah, those movies. My oh, parents boy. were so over me watching like Bring It On. My mom was my mom is not a person who likes to rewatch movies over and over again, except for the Green Mile and Star Wars. But yeah, she was like, this is not OK. And you, I you know was, what like, gets me the thing that gets me about that argument so people who are like well well, why like i watch a movie once maybe twice and i'm done with it i'm like well do you listen to a music album once or twice and be done with it like it's the same kind of thing to me yeah it makes no sense to me i don't know like i get i suppose that not wanting to sit around and just watch the same movie over and over like you feel like you could be doing something that you've done before like that needs doing instead of watching a story that you've seen already but it's not different to me than listening to music you've already heard yeah because you get something different every time especially if it's a well done story sure um so i i mean i i i see things in star wars that i didn't notice when i before and also i think it's different when you revisit it at different times of your life like you know as a child versus like as an adult and as a young adult and i mean me when i watched clueless for the first time for example like as like in college, there were jokes that I had never realized were actual jokes when I was like in elementary school because it went way over my head because they play like when it's a movie that plays to multiple kind of target audiences, they go for jokes that that um, work for on multiple levels so that, you know, adults can enjoy them. The kids sure. can enjoy them. So they're multi-layered, which is why movies like you know, the Lego movie or Shrek. Star Wars, Shrek are so are so beloved because they appeal to so many different levels. And that's why 
sometimes like move even like into the spider verse you know it appeals to so many different people and their backgrounds and i oh, think that comes out this week doesn't it different. yeah it, it 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 did it drops on blu-ray yeah this coming week i think i i would have picked it up if my son had his birthday this past week as well as my nephew uh, i thought it was less i think digital it came out digital yes digital it's out and i'm still i'm old school i still i still want my physical copy i mean i i trust you there i'm like that too but then um when my old laptop ate my hard copy of call me by your name (laughs) one night (laughs) when we had no power um and i had to buy it again i was a little frustrated with the dvd thing (laughs) you know i i was you know back to this watching star wars thing like for sure watching it as a like kid six to 10 or 12 years old that was probably the most frequent because you have you have so little to do at that age but yeah. i would figure now as somebody in now now in my early 40s I, I think now is possibly objectively measurably the most intense schedule i have when it comes to watching star wars i think i'm actually watching it more than when i was a child well I understand that. I think partially it's probably because um, one, not just because you love it, but also one, you podcast about it and two, you have kids. So yeah, there's a lot of, now you're like, they're in your position where they didn't have a bunch to do. <laughs> they, so they exactly. just watch Star Wars all the time. And now, you know, it's like, a, it's full circle. Like they're watching Star Wars, like you are watching it. But now you're wa- you're more aware of how often you're watching it and how much you're consuming Star Wars because you're an adult now and you have other things to do. So now, like the amount of time you're watching Star Wars now is more fractional, like a fraction of your t- of your life more than it was before. Yeah, there's just so but... much less free time now than there was then, yeah. and I'm, I'm still like, all right, I'm not going to cut the grass or I'm not going to do that thing that needs doing. I'm going to watch Star Wars. Well, you need to do the things that give you like happiness and joy or else like everything else in your life is too bleak. Like you need something that motivates you to do well. And, you know, if that's Star Wars at the end of the week on a Friday, like if, you know, that's a great reward for working hard. Well, I remember summer of 94, I watched Empire Strikes Back every day for a month at lunchtime because that was the last summer where I wasn't I didn't have a summer job. And oh, it was like my parents were both away. Those summers. Oh, it was the best. I, it was the best. Like, a job. Every day was it was, and I mean every day. This was like thirty straight days of mac and cheese for lunch. Oh. And Empire Strikes Back. It was the best. That sounds like heaven. I would like to live like that now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what I strive for. I'm just gonna, I just make enough for at retirement so I can eat mac and cheese every day and watch. One of the, th- I'm sure, hopefully by then we'll have like 30 Star Wars movies to go by. So I, I, can, mean, I can watch one movie every day for a, a month, but still eat the mac and cheese. It's a very affordable plan. Like, yeah. unless you're eating like gourmet, like, you know, like 24 year aged cheese mac and cheese like, <laughs> that you're creating from scratch with truffle oil or something. I mean, it's very, very smart. I, I think that's a great plan. I mean, I'm down. I'm doing it. <laughs> Aim high for that retirement package. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the podcast here. Uh, Last week, I ran a poll. Sometimes these would-you-rathers just strike me, and I wanted to see what fandom thought. And obviously, this this question would have worked better if you weren't weren't doing any of these three options, but 
I wanted to I wanted to see what people would think. What would they ex- which which of these three options would they choose? So would they take an opening day all access pass to Galaxy's Edge, a five day pass to Celebration, or a ticket to the world premiere of Episode Nine? That's I I think I I thought it was a pretty tough question. In the end, there was a clear winner, no doubt yes. about it. Winner. But I, I thought it was a good question, and I didn't fall into the uh, into the majority. But what would you have chosen? Well, I had to do process of elimination <laughs> because I okay first opening day all access pass to Galaxy's Edge. That would be cool, but also there's a lot of people, and you know me, I don't like a lot of people around. <laughs> oh right, so, you know what? That's right. Um, you live in California, so a couple of these I options do. are like are like. Um, eh, and I I'll get around an, to it. I also have an annual pass to Disney, so you know, all access pass to Galaxy's Edge, and pr- I'm I can have I can actually go like in the summer when it opens with my annual pass. So I mean, I already paid for that. It's good for a year, so that's technically off for me because I'd rather just go like on a Tuesday, like two weeks after when like no one's there. Um, cause that would be nice, but it's the summer. So it's probably gonna be super crowded. Oh, it's going to be um, crowded for the first couple of years. Yeah. For not sure. cool. <laughs> um, five day pass to celebration. Technically I have a five day pass to celebration. Um, I haven't still decided if I'm going yet. Um, oh, that's right. Cause you come back from Hawaii like two days before, right? And then you just, it, oh yeah. From, from Japan two days before. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, <laughs> can yeah, you scrape your butt off the floor and keep going? Exactly. Like, I get in on the 6th or the 7th, I think, like, back to L.A. Um, so, like, it's kind of like, do I go? Or, <laughs> I mean, five days is a lot. So, I don't know if I would do, like, five days. If I do end up going, I'd probably do, like, a couple days or so. Um, like, over the weekend or looking at when the book people are there or depending on panels, I might go, like, for that. But you're gonna, you, I don't know. You're going to want to do the, I think, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's what I was day. leaning towards is Friday, Saturday, and then leave on Sunday was probably going to be my plan. Um, if I do go, uh, I don't know. I'm still, like, I'm so on the fence about it because, like, I do want to go, and there's things I want to do while I'm there, but then also it's, like, so exhausting, and, like, that's so expensive to, like, once I go there, I'm going to want to spend a lot of money. and <laughs> Yep. I just had to pay to, like, repair a like tub and one of like my units of uh, I just I can't like I have I have expenses this month that are very high <laughs> so I'm like maybe it's probably the more adult prudent thing to sell my pass and not go anyway long story short I do have a pass <laughs> it's just I'm a matter of whether or not you use it yeah so basically number one and number two were like out for me but regardless I would have picked the premiere anyway um, because I just, the energy at a world premiere is just, it's so hard to describe it. Um, you've, you've been I, to one, right? I, yeah. I had the privilege of going to the justice league premiere in uh, at the, at the Dolby theater in Hollywood, like the red um, carpet premiere where all the red carpet premiere with all the stars. I like, I saw, you know, Ezra, like, uh, uh, what's his last name? I can't remember the flash Miller. Yeah. Oh my God. He was he's like, stunning skin is like beautiful i can't <laughs> um i was like can i have your skin um give me some tips who's your facialist um not really i i was he was walking pat when we were exiting like he kind of was in his full tux walking walking out um 
But my friends were on the red carpet, like uh, risers. They were kind of like greeting people. So um, we just went in. So we watched from like the third row on the orchestra. It was just incredible. Like just the energy is electric. And I enjoyed the movie so much. I had so much fun. My mom was with me. Um, and it was just really cool to be able to share that with her, but it was, it was just, it's a Holly, like Hollywood premiere. It's, it's insane. Like I never thought I would ever get to go to one, um, let alone one that has a budget that's that high, uh, that was very anticipated. Yeah. All, like an all eyes on this premiere. Oh my God. Yeah. Because like, uh, Aquaman hadn't even come out yet. Wonder Woman had just like killed the box office. Gal Gadot is just, I mean, I like, she's not a human. She's no, she's, she's gorgeous. Is- like it's it's not it's not like we have no chance when it comes to her like my eyes were gonna like they might as well have burned out of their sockets she's like that stunning um it's crazy but everyone was super kind and nice and so excited and the room was incredible and um I don't know there's just something about everyone like you can feel the excitement and energy and everyone was so like pumped and so um I would love, and because they have very passionate, fervent fans, and I think with Star Wars, it's very similar. A lot of people dressed up. I dressed up. I wore the Wonder Woman Diana in a trench coat with the glasses. That was my cosplay for the movie premiere. Um, But Star Wars is very similar in that uh, they have very fervent fans who dress up, line up from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to, like, get to a premiere. You know, just that kind of exciting energy and that Justice League movie was like a kickoff movie. So with this movie being, you know, the conclusion movie, it, I just, I can't imagine how much electricity will be in that room, um, in that theater. Oh, I'm the sure world. episode, yeah. the, everything surrounding episode nine is just going to be completely nuts. It's, it's amazing. And like, and with the Justice League movie too, it's, it, there was a lot of secrecy behind, you know, what was actually going to happen in the movie. So it, like getting to, to see that it was very similar, I think, in terms of like not as secret as, you know, Marvel movies like the Avengers or whatever. But um, it was very I felt like that was a very a, like similar or like a baby version of what like you could expect from an episode nine premiere. Um, just because like even knowing because the solo premiere was in Hollywood and um, I didn't go to that. I didn't even try to go to Hollywood Boulevard because I knew it would be crazy. But um, hearing from friends who did go to that red carpet, they were just like, it was insane. And that was solo. So hmm. um, like they had a, they had the Millennium Falcon on the red carpet. Like it, it's crazy. Like they pulled out all the stops. So I'm really excited to see how they're, what they're going to do, like what kinds of you know, events they're going to have, like if they're going to have fans like through one iota or like some sort of event service be able to attend or if they're going to do a raffle or. I wonder if they'll do something like in tandem at Galaxy's Edge. Like let's let's go over now to Galaxy's Edge and take a look at, you know, just, just. They must be. They probably, I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe they would do something like that just to keep, Hey guys, look, look at this amazing park. We've worked to keep shoving down your throat until you spend all your money and come. Pretty much. I mean, they probably will do something like, you know, Twitter, Facebook, like Instagram live from, you know, this, the premiere and Galaxy's Edge. And they'll probably have like special parties or like a viewing party, you know, at Galaxy's Edge at one of the bars. They might do like a red carpet viewing party or something. Who knows? I mean, that would be hilarious if like even like they had aliens, like they had inserts of like the aliens in red carpet. (laughs) 
Or imagine like some people get on the ride and they don't come out for two and a half hours. That would be hilarious. I would I would die. Like you go in, you think you're gonna take a twenty minute ride and then you they're like, Oh, by the way, we're gonna keep you here for a couple hours. What if they like what if they surprise people who go on that like supposed like really long ride that like the one that everyone said was twenty eight minutes but it is not? Um and like people went in to go watch it and they actually showed you like um of like uh, they did like a special screening of episode nine that would be completely (laughs) insane i would die (laughs) that would be like my dreams come true well imagine being conflicted about it too like imagine like okay i've got all right we're gonna this will be our last ride we got to leave in like an hour okay let's do it so you go in you do your 20 minute ride and then they go by the way guys we're gonna give you a screening of episode nine before anybody (laughs) else no we've got to go but uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be like, what if, oh god yeah especially if you couldn't stay like that would be bad anyways but, like i mean obviously like all three they're once in a lifetime experiences right but like for me like episode nine was actually for me the easiest to, to eliminate only because of ignorance like i have no like what you're telling me now is like oh yeah. geez what am what what am i thinking but i'm just i i have no idea what those are like but but I think it's also it's the shortest lived of the three. Like it's True. you're there for three hours, front to back, and it's over. Maybe a bit more, but you know that's 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 really it. And I'll get to see the movie anyway at some point, right? But and you know of course it would be amazing to be in the room with the stars. Yeah, wild. But you don't get to, you don't really get to meet them, do you? No, but you get not really, but you get to breathe the same air as them, and you get to experience them getting to see it on the big screen like with for the first time with that big of an actual like real audience so like for the stars it's really cool if they actually do sit and watch the movie because some stars who don't like to see themselves on screen usually just go come for the carpet and the introductions and then they leave for the film um, because they don't like watching themselves which is I mean I understand it but I also don't because like I feel like as if you're a really good actor like you should be watching yourself and like I don't know, reevaluating, or maybe that they can't enjoy. Like some people say they can't enjoy it because all they think about is like the process of like what they were doing or what they were thinking when they were filming it. And they can't watch it objectively. Yeah. You can't, it's gotta be hard to get into the story. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it might be, it might be a little different for people who have movies that are very heavily CGI. Like for example, I bet like guardians is very different to like watch than it is to act in because it's just so much green screen. Um, So it might be really cool to see, live um but a lot of the time these these actors they don't get to experience it with the actual viewing public so when they're in a room with people who are seeing it for the first time as an audience that hasn't been involved with the creation of this film in any sort of way or isn't being like tested well usually for those movies they don't do test audiences anymore but um sometimes they do um, but you know, for the first time they're watching it with a, an audience that is just watching it purely for enjoyment. Um, so it's really exciting from what I hear, it's very exciting for them too, because they get to kind of experience for the first time if people are liking the movie or not. Um, sure. Yeah. And, that would be, yeah. yeah. One way or another, it's validation for them. Yeah. Or like if the laughs are landing, if people are cheering, if people are clapping, like it's a little skewed probably at a premiere because you know, the stars are there. So you're probably like, you know, when you clap and stuff, you're like, you're doing it it. for them. Exactly. But when you're reacting to the film while you're watching it, 
you know, that you can't really fake that really. I mean, when you're gasping or you're laughing or whatever, it's, it's not forced. I feel like when you're an hour in, you can't really force that anymore because it's just too, you're too in it. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe if you're like a sociopath or you're just (laughs) highly adept at acting or like, I don't know, multitasking. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, if I, when I get engrossed in something, like everything else falls away and I'm just like sucked in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. In the end, I, I chose, I I chose Galaxy's Edge, which, yeah, I figured, you know, a a day one passed and getting to skip all the lines. Mm, Yeah. It's, you know, it's a full day event for you. And yeah, like to me, it's, it's, it's the one that would probably carry the most value. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because the other ones I'm going to, you know, I will get the news that's from Celebration. And even going to Celebration, of course, you're going to have a ton of fun, but you're also getting an invoice for like, like beyond the pass, like the pass is free, according to this, you know, the the criteria of this question, but Mm -hmm. all the stuff you want to buy, that's on you. Like you're giving yourself an invoice. So I skipped that. So I'll, I'll get the news anyway. And uh, yeah, get, for me, it's all about Galaxy's Edge. That would be the thing because that that for me, even in a really, really optimistic scenario, is like two plus years away for me at yeah. best, at best. So to do that, be able to do that on day one and not, not have to suffer through the agony of reading how many people jumping on social media saying how incredible it is, I'll, I will already know. I'll be one of the people inflicting that kind of pain. On everyone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, ha ha ha! Don't you wish you were here too? <laughs> Ex- exactly. That's the type of pain I, I I really aspire to dish out in this world. Yes, I live. I I'm here for it. So the results were pretty interesting. Uh, so episode nine, the premiere, it won it, by a landslide. It was absolutely not even close. Fifty three percent said episode nine premiere, mm-hmm. and then twenty nine percent chose uh, galaxy's edge and then the remainder took um celebration wow celebration is not popular it was definitely the least popular of the three yeah maybe it would have been different if you had included like airfare and stay yeah yeah just out of of too many i was out of characters yeah exactly (laughs) i know what you mean sometimes you just can't fit it all in but yeah I mean I feel like that also has to do with it too I feel like with celebration the cost to get there might be the most because it's five days so you have to stay like in a hotel or an Airbnb for five days unless you live where they're doing celebration which would be Chicago this year yeah there's lots of Uh, different permutations like you could have given to the question like I could have given you like a a three-day pass but with food vouchers or something like that you know yeah yeah I mean, whatever, but yeah, just trying I mean, to keep I it guess, simple, but it, it makes the most sense. Like, I feel like if you think about it objectively, um, I don't know. I think with the premiere too, with it, with episode nine, you know, it makes me think like, well, you know, because Carrie Fisher died, are they going to do something really special at the beginning of the premiere, like to dedicate it to her and all this stuff? Like, I feel like they'll probably do something because this is the film where Princess Leia's character it will be her last film, um, like yep. for real. Bill. This is Not yeah. This is Leia's final like, appearance, and it's Carrie Fisher's final working exactly. gig. So I feel like with 
with this, um, they're probably going to do something very dedicated that's going to be very special and they might have a lot of, you know, of the past stars come just like even though Harrison Ford might not be in it, they might bring back some of, you know, the past actors and other things. And so um, I feel like it would be really interesting to see what they do with it. Um, and also it's just I think it just harkens back to, you know, how the the event nature of Star Wars premieres like in the 80s when the original movies came out. And everyone was lining up and making friends in line overnight and everyone was dressing up and, you know, to get into the movie theater, like be the first one. And I think it just kind of like taps into that happy place of like nostalgia and memories of going to the movies and getting to do that. And this is just like the biggest stage version of what we did when we were going to see the prequels and the original movies of the theaters lining up and you didn't have any other thing like Galaxy's Edge or Celebration. Yep. Um, so I think with the fact that this being the end of the Skywalker saga, quote, end of the Skywalker saga, or the last Skywalker saga movie, I think it just kind of, it, that might have had something to do with, like, you know, the end cap of, like, this going out on a high thing. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, because you could always go to Galaxy's Edge, and you could always go to Celebration, but, like, the world premiere of, episode nine is just that one yeah there's only going to be one of those and that's that yeah they i mean there is no wrong answer for sure yeah Mm -hmm. it's just about what what you find important and what where you think you might get value but you know if if somebody gave me a ticket to any one of those i'd be over the moon oh yeah oh no doubt but let's uh, (laughs) let's shift focus to celebration for a couple minutes the episode not episode nine panel was announced this last week which is not a surprise to anybody. Uh, So StarWars.com said, with the culmination of the Skywalker saga arriving before the end of the year, the Star Wars Episode Nine panel is one you will definitely not want to miss. With Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars Episode Nine director J.J. Abrams appearing on stage, you can count on plenty plenty of surprises and special guests to keep your imagination buzzing for the rest of Celebration. So... They said they called they called out plenty of surprises and special guests. I mean, do we need to really dig that deep? Is this this is, you know, it's it's title, a teaser, and a poster. Like that's got to be it, right? I mean, obviously, um, they're not gonna give us they're not gonna give us any like special secret information that's very very crucial to the film because then why would they won't be they're notorious like you know anti-spoiler people so they're just gonna give us a little tease they're gonna they're probably gonna give us the title they're probably gonna give us the trailer uh, they're probably gonna give us the poster um i i mean i ugh. do you think uh, when they say surprise get like special they say uh, special guests Mm-hmm. Is that just a blanket term for like Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver? Is that that's sort of the blanket statement for that, right? Well, I also think it's also like, you know, the droids and. Oh, um, yeah. Like, yeah, everybody. Like, exactly. Like any sort of like because you can see the you can see the actors, you know, pretty much at any con. But like it's Star Wars, they're, they're probably going to do specific things that they'll only have license to do at celebration like certain droids certain mechanic stuff maybe they're gonna introduce us to some different droids i don't know um or they might bring some 
you know, because it's just, it's the anniversary. They might bring on, you know, just people to talk about the, like the legend of the Skywalker saga. Who knows? Do you, do you um, think they would, hmm, here's a good one. So they, they've got the, on the Monday, the Phantom Menace panel. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a big thing about that. Uh, but do you think, do you think that a, a surprise for this panel, for the episode nine panel could be bringing out Hayden Christensen? Like if Anakin's go- force ghost were to appear, would they reveal I that was... by having, like, would they hint at that by having him as part of the episode nine panel? Um, I think they, I, I don't think they would do it. I don't think they would do it because it's, it's one of those questions that everyone has been talking about. Like, and I feel like it's, it's one that will be very, um, mm, it's been one that's been a very spirited conversation. So, um, I mean, if you think about canon, they already used Hayden's ghost. So like for consistency, it would make sense that they would use it again since they already replaced it. Cause then it wouldn't be yeah. consistent. Um, so like in that sense, like, I think that's what's, what it's going to end up being. Um, just, you know, makes sense. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure that that's something they would reveal at celebration on the panel. Can you imagine how crazy people would go though? If if they brought him out, my God, it would be nuts. Like, I, I just, I feel, I'm thinking about just like star Wars in general and like the fandom as it is now, and like just everything that's been going on and how much they're like putting an emphasis on security um, for this pa- for this celebration that I'm just like, I don't know, like thinking of the if they actually did that and like what would result <laughs> and in terms of like what would permeate through the celebration, like the people who are there. Um, I don't know <laughs> how it would how it would go over. Um, I'm sh- they, I mean, there's going to be, be people bursting into flames. People. Oh, yeah. There are going to be people who are going to be bursting into flames from joy and bursting into flames from pure, like, like anger and you think? wanting to burn the world down. I think <laughs> I think at Celebration, generally, like it, I think that if you're there at Celebration, you probably celebrate it. But, yeah, online, yeah. people there'd be some people who would who'd get pissy about it for sure. I mean. You would think that, you know, people who aren't supportive of things also wouldn't spend billions of dollars buying a toy only to destroy <laughs> it, thinking like, <laughs> like not realizing the irony of the fact that, like, you know, Disney doesn't care because they're getting your money anyway um, and you're paying them. So, I mean, sure. Cool. But like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes people aren't that smart. So, Some, yeah, yeah, I, w- I would say more than sometimes. More than, <laughs> um, and they, they'll give us they'll give us a poster, which I hope is more than just a bland Photoshop collage like The Force Awakens. Oh my god! I really or hope there's a good like, concept to the poster. Or just like nine in Roman numerals, I would literally just be so angry. Yeah, like if they're like, holding everything so like, close to the chest, like everything has got to be just killer at this point. It's got to be so so good, like the title, right? Like, I, I think it's safe to say at this point the title is being held on to for celebration. Like it makes no, no sense anymore. I wouldn't they, I I always thought they would hold it until celebration. Like that. It just makes the most sense. Um, Cause this is, why would they give such a juicy scoop 
to another con or another festival or another situation when they're having their own five day convention. Like there's five days. So they need they need things to keep people coming back every day. You know, that's that's juicy, big, juicy information, not just a, t a lot of like cool, fun stuff that is niche for certain fans of like, you know, fans of the Clone Wars or fans of Resistance or fans of video games. Rebels. Yeah, or the games or the comics or the books. It's something that will get everybody wanting to, you know, everybody wants the juicy information from the saga. You know, everyone sure. wants to. Yes, so, I guess. Yeah, at this point, it's it's I think it's pretty clear that they're going to hold it. But man, like I like the poster. If you're if you're holding on to it, it better be good. Yeah. I'm actually really impressed with them. P people have been talking about this online, but like for sure they're going to want to sell merchandise at Celebration with like Episode Nine with the title on it. How mm -hmm. has like that's got that stuff has got to be in production right now? Oh yeah, I'm sure. How is that I mean, not I, leaked? Probably by a serious control and phone monitoring, and probably they won't. They probably don't allow phones in and out of the room that are be that any sort of merch is in right now. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably like you have to check your phone at the desk. You can't come in with anything that was recording, like it has any recording ability. If you take any photos or recording devices, you have to leave them in the building. Like, I'm sure that's what it is. But you could also just memorize four words, right? Like you, if the title was Balance of the Force, for example, you could go home like that night and go, guys, or you could leak it somewhere, put it on Reddit saying uh, the title, the episode nine t-shirts are being printed. It's called Balance of the Force. You, could, yeah, you don't need do you a camera. Really do you really think you would do that? Like, Risk no, your job. Like, I mean, honestly, all of those people have signed ironclad non-disclosure agreements that are legally binding. I'm sure. I mean, I've had to sign NDAs just to like screen a movie a week in advance. So like if they're working on stuff that's that shrouded, they have ironclad NDAs. Disney NDAs are crazy. They are like, you do not want to F with Disney. Like they will screw you over they will bankrupt you they will take everything they will take your child probably um <laughs> like all of your children uh all of your money they will tank your credit like you do not want to mess with disney like they own everything like do you do you want to mess with i wouldn't want to mess with disney i would not tell anyone anything but like, but, like where are these shirts are being made like i don't know bangladesh or wherever they're being printed yeah there might be a factory worker who's just clueless I, they have to be or else like they have to have found like some sort of thing because it just it doesn't make sense like I mean usually there's something leaked at some point but like I think also like the Disney people they probably have an entire room or team of people who are just like their entire sole job is to be on the internet or reddit or anything all day every day just like telling people that like anyone that gets it right or has any knowledge to disseminate have them or just have like, an unfortunate accident happen like, no. <laughs> or no, just like, just, just basically like negating any sort of like relevance or being like, Oh no, you're totally wrong. Or like, you know, like an online campaign to like delete everything and also like make sure that if someone is guessing it right, like to shroud enough doubt onto people that they like start to question themselves um, yeah, I mean, I, it, would, it wouldn't yeah. shock me. No, no, that it would shock, shock me. me. I mean, I've heard I've heard more shocking things than that. So well, the, the other I, thing they could do is just print so many T-shirts with so many different titles that yeah, you I'm don't sure know. Like, have... so a bunch of them are just fake titles, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if movies shoot multiple endings, like 
that is so much more expensive than like making a few versions of a ta- of a hat or something. You know what I mean? Like it's not that. Yeah, well, it, it happens in sports, right? Like when it comes yeah, down to like a time. game seven or a championship game, you have to have the shirts ready for both oh, teams. Do. And then whichever and then- team loses, they sh- they send those shirts off to some other country. Yep, or they sell them for pennies, or they yeah they donate them to like kids in Africa, and they're wearing. The kids in Africa think that the Patriots are the Patriots lost. Like you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if they had different versions. That I think that would probably be the smartest thing that they that they would do, and probably the most likely, as they probably have like two or three sets of merchandise of like versions of things, um, and then basically like they're going to unveil the real one at celebration because that's the only way they could fully um, mitigate any sort of leak is to have multiple versions in play and not announce it until the very, very end and only have a few people who are very central and key know the actual true title. So like, I'm sure there's probably people out there who think that like their title is the, the title that they know is the actual title when it's not, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet you there's a lot of people maybe who've got something, but they can't get any kind of confirmation. They can't get a second source, and they're just they can't run with it because exactly. they would so out, they like, would maybe out their source and and yeah. trash their own credibility. Or they have conflicting sources because their multiple sources have different titles that they know about. So they're like, you know, so that could be a thing too. Yep. Do you think with the poster they're gonna go and do something with like they did with the Last Jedi? Or do you think they're going to go and like do a callback to the original posters and do something more along those lines? Well, the, I remember the teaser poster for The Last Jedi was very much a callback to uh, the the, <laughs> yeah. one of the first A New Hope posters with you know Luke had mm-hmm. his lightsaber right, raised up in the, in the air. It was in this case, it was Ray. I I hope they do something conceptual like that instead of that. You know, I, I keep going banging on the, the the lazy Photoshop collage like photo like uh, the Force Awakens had. Like they they've all had it, yeah. They've all had, but I hope they do something with with a concept and a and a theme behind it. I agree. I, I, I would. I'm big on the posters. If you haven't noticed, me too. I mean, I I love all of those posters. I have all of them. So like, um, but yeah, I I hope they do something. Like, I mean, it's the end of an era. So I I would hope that they would do something that's evocative of of the original posters to kind of like do a tail end and plus nostalgia is always amazing. Well, the that, that's, are awesome. we've, we've danced around a couple of times. You just mentioned it, the end of, end of an era, like really, is it, is it really going to be the end of the Skywalker saga? Like it's, it's one of the great questions that we're dealing with as a fandom. Like they're telling us that officially an, an official source of that. This is it. This is they, even in the, uh, the star Wars.com announcement of the panel. They they call it the culmination of the Skywalker saga, you know. True. And but, Oscar uh, Isaac is saying it publicly, you know. Yeah, but like, yes, I think like you know it could. It, 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 I think in terms of like it could is this the end of the Skywalker saga? Sure, but um, like take into account like you know who who is a Skywalker though? Like we don't know yet. A, who is a Skywalker and who isn't a Skywalker? We don't know yet. But like you know there are people who we probably assume are not Skywalkers, like, you know, Poe or like, you know what I mean? Or Finn or Rose. Maybe they're all Skywalkers. Maybe they are. Maybe <laughs> there's Skywalkers in all of us. Maybe the midichlorians are actually Skywalker DNA. Who knows? Um, 
But, you know, you don't just because they're saying it's the end of the Skywalker saga, it doesn't mean that all of those characters from the movie aren't going to come back in some shape or form. Um, And I think when they say it's the end of the Skywalker saga, they're saying it's the end of the Skywalker saga in the theatrical movies. Um, They didn't say end of the Skywalker saga, period, done in any all in all forms of media. Because that wouldn't make sense. That um, yeah, wait, wait, I I always I always like to preface that whenever you're talking about this franchise, for you know the, this is the franchise that likes to talk about from a certain point of view. They're the kings and queens and jokers of semantics. So if, yeah, theatrically, this might be the end of the Skywalker saga. But who's to say they won't do a bunch of novels about future Skywalkers? I don't know, but it's I I would not put it past them. Yeah, I mean, I haven't either. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, these episodic movies, they rake in so far between one to, like, $1.3 and $2 billion. That's what these sequel movies have have raked in so far. Like, how how could Disney and Lucasfilm leave that sort of return on the table? Or maybe... Maybe they just wait and see how we respond as a fandom to, or as as how moviegoers respond to Ryan Johnson's trilogy or uh, Benioff and Weiss. Let's let's see. Let, maybe they wait and see how we respond to those, and then if if it doesn't go so well, you know, like it, if they if those movies only pull in like half a billion dollars, and the target yeah. is now, I'm sure Disney when they bought Lucasfilm, they were like, okay, this is like our Cadillac. We know. Or our Rolls Royce. We know we want these movies, the brand of these movies, to sustain billion dollar hauls or more. And so when, 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 of course, when Solo fizzled, they were just like, okay, wait a sec. And so it's just now it's it's episodic movies to the big screen where we know that the brand will maintain its its luster. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, if, if, as long as they can put out movies that they're confident will rake in huge box office box office dollars where there's no conversation of star Wars has lost. It's a lure. Like nobody's going, it's only making $500 million now. You know, that, I think they want to avoid that. Yeah. So, if, but if that becomes the reality for Johnson's movies and Benioff and Weiss, then maybe they go, all right, it's time to dust off the Skywalkers or at least those characters. So let's, let's call up Daisy Ridley. Let's get, let's, or whoever else survives, Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac, let's get these people back in. Maybe that's the plan. And they go forward with another trilogy, but it's not called episode 10. It's just the next, it's a new series. It's, and it has nothing to do with, with Darth Vader. Like that whole thematic legacy thing is cut. So it's, it's in spirit, no longer about the Skywalkers. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, I don't... Because they, I mean, they could always take it back. It's not like, you know, it's set in stone. They signed an iron contract. This is the end, period. Um, I think, though, it, it'll get to a point where, you know, they can't use the actors anymore. They can't use the actors because the actors are gone. I think that's pretty much the, the whole point. Like, these actors have been involved in this since the 80s. That's been... What, like, now that's, like, 40 years? So, oh, yeah, because it's the 40th anniversary. Duh, Michelle. Yeah, um, we're, we're, yeah, we're up to 42 years now. Yeah, so it's, 
I mean, it, it just it makes logistical sense. Um, I think it's more of a practical concept um, than it is like an actual thing. So, I mean, who knows? There could be. I, I think to say like to say yes or no at this point would be too spoilery because I mean, there's this whole section of people who are like, okay, well, does is is there going to be a Bendemption? And then there's the Raylos who think like Ray and Kyler are going to be together. And so if they end up getting together and having a kid, then that yeah. just technically could be a Skywalker. And then they might have their own movies. Like, I mean, there's just so many, like, to say anything would be to reveal the ending of the movie, right? Like, if, 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 if that could be the end of the Skywalker saga, because, for example, Kylo dies and that's his redemption. Like, he's redeemed, but then he has to die. Like, I mean, there's so many ways you could go about it. So, like, it's so hard to say, like, is it going to be the end because there are going to be no more Skywalkers, they're all dead, or, like, is there going to be a child, or is there going to be a redeemed Ben, but, like, Ben is Ben Solo, so is he going to go as Solo, is he, like, technically a Skywalker in the term of, like, they're saying it's the end of a, end of the, quote, Skywalker saga, like, in terms of, like, people who are named Skywalker, but are not actual, or technically can be a sky i don't know it's i feel like i'm making myself more confused by just saying these things oh of course I, yeah I, I walk around confused now with the, with these movies but what if what if you know they've been in books and the movies they've been setting up this thing in in wild space or, or the unknown regions right yeah i've been talking about it since since aftermath what if nine ends with like a, a rebel style ending where ray and kylo somehow, some way, dart off to wild space and remove themselves from the equation. And I'm not saying they do it willingly together, but maybe, you know, maybe Ray finds a way to remove Kylo from the whole thing without having to kill him. Right. So Kyle, that, that made me so excited right now. I'm like literally like jumping in my skin from excitement. <laughs> so like, that would that, be awesome. So they both leave. They're both out of the movie, and but they're unresolved. They're, yeah. We know they both leave and they're alive. But it also like it would get everybody arguing because then people the Raylos would say they left together to start their little baby family, mm -hmm. and Ew. other people would say, well, no, they just like Ray just fell on the sword and you know took him out of the equation. She still doesn't want right. anything to do with him, but she's isolated so she, herself with him for the greater good. Yeah, she she paid she made the ultimate sacrifice for the betterment of of her her people but that man that leaves us with no resolution and they've and, and you know when, when jj says i hope people leave satisfied that's what that's the main thing they're going for i don't know if that would satisfy anybody but i mean does any movie ending really satisfy everyone like this movie this series is so divisive at this point in terms of like the fans that him saying well, I hope that everyone leaves satisfied. He said everyone, right? I, I don't remember satisfied. the exact quote, but I remember he or, said that he hopes that people leave satisfied. But I mean, Return, might, Return of the Jedi gave be, you that. I mean, that might be a political way of being like, it's going to be an unresolved ending because that's the only way we can keep people satisfied because the people who want to think that it ends one way can think that that's how it ends. And the people who think that it's going to end the other way can think that that's how it ends. And then they get to choose which ending they want. Oh, we get to argue about it for, for a decade. 
I mean, it's, I mean, that's them being, I mean, it could be that he's, if him, if he's saying, I hope people leave satisfied, it, it depends on your, your definition of the term satisfied. Satis- yeah. Like satis- if you're the type of person who gets satisfaction from arguing, then you'll leave satisfied. Ha <laughs> ha. Or like, you know, getting satisfaction from, you know, being able to have your own interpretation of an ending. Um, I, I don't hate endings that are, that are, um, ambiguous if they're done well. Um, I think that, uh, there are certain movies that do this well and other movies that I think try to do it well that don't. Um, a good example, these aren't Star Wars movies for me is, um, but it's just kind of an example of how the ambiguous ending is done well. I think there's a movie called Unfaithful starring Richard Gere and Diane Lane. And that ending, I think it's, they're going, uh, long story short, Richard Gere, oh, Diane Lane's having an affair. Richard Gere kills the person that this lady is having an affair with, his wife. And then they are driving towards the police station. Oh, I'm just spoiling it. Spoilers? But <laughs> I'm down, I'm, like, it's been out since like 2000 guys like yeah it's like a 20 year old movie yeah it's okay anyways they're waiting at this red light and they're stopped at the red light and then it's it's flashing and then this camera pans out and then you don't know if they go to the station or if they drive by it like that's how it ends so you you can decide in your head if they end up deciding to run off together or if they do end up going to report the crime to the police office and me describing it sounds like really stupid, but when you see it, it's actually very well done. And I think for me, a movie that tried to do that but didn't do it well was Three Billboards Outside of Mississippi or Missouri or whatever that movie was named. Um, it got a lot of awards. I have, I think it's a very problematic movie in general, but I think that ending, um, I won't spoil that because it's a lot newer. Um, so it just came out like last year or the year before. Anyway. Um, but I feel like that movie where the characters kind of end in the middle of a conversation and you don't have any resolve, but I don't think there was enough in that conversation to kind of give the viewers enough of a pit, full picture to be able to kind of guess what they're going to do or not. There wasn't really an ambiguous, like it was just, it wasn't as. It wasn't, it was, it's not black and white. There's, there was very much discussion to be had. Yeah, but I thought that, like, that conversation leaned more towards one than the other in that it wasn't as, like, the effect of what they were going for didn't land. So I think it's so hard to do ambiguous endings like that well. Um, And so, but when it is done well, I think it's extremely effective because, you know, it makes you think. Like, it makes you go home and think about the movie more because you have to process it. You have to fill that in in your own mind. Um, do I think the Star Wars, the fi- Star Wars Episode Nine, is going to be that much of a cerebral thinking experience after it's done? No, I think they're going to probably give us something that's a little bit more like, "Here's a bow on it. This is how it ends." Um, I hope so. I, I kind of do because I, I don't. I don't think I'm game, <laughs> and fa- frankly, I don't think fandom yeah. can handle handle the I- ambiguity. And I think we've had 40 years of ambiguity and like not really knowing 100% if this is how the story ends. So them being like, this is the end, like period. Like we might, I think like maybe they mean this is the end of the Skywalker saga in like their life story and how they, the origin to this point. Um, And they might have the Skywalkers pop in 
or anyone who is deemed like of a Skywalker line uh, characters to pop in and out of things. But I don't think that I think that they're not no longer going to be the protagonist is what they mean. Like they're not going to be the main character of like the leading vehicle of a movie. They're not going to be the Avenger. They're not going to be the Captain America. They're not going to be they're yeah, going to yeah. be Avengers. They're not going to be Captain America. It's that's I think that's what they mean that I, they're going to play roles in other people's lives that are in the in in the universe and their names will have like you know this kind of legendary lore stories that are passed on type of quality that kind of um was given a glimpse on um Canto Bite with that kid and them talking about the stories um exactly and yeah yeah I so I think I think that type of stuff is what we're going to see more of going forward. A lot of people whispering and talking about the Skywalkers and what they meant and how they saved people or how they, you know, changed. Yeah, you know, you know what I hope to see. I hope it, and I hope either Ryan Johnson or Benioff and Weiss. I hope one of them is doing something in the future, like mm-hmm. well into the future from from Episode yes. Nine, and I hope we see like maybe a, a, a new Jedi Order with a new temple. But you see, yes. like, statues of Luke Skywalker. Yes, that would be incredible. Or, I would, or like, I mean, a, that... a Skywalker family tomb or something like that. And it's got, like, this this yes. ornate artwork I, I of, like, Anakin with Leia and, and Luke. And it's, all, like, that kind of thing where it's, like, okay, they're I, still in the universe. They're still yes. very much a part of the fabric of it. But they're not really part of the story. Yes. Like, just, I, I love that. I think that's amazing. I think it kind of... Kind of like the um, the Stark crypts, like with the the the, the um, statues of like Lyanna Stark and Ned Stark and Catelyn Stark, but but not as gloomy, more like celebratory, kind yeah. of like a Hall of Fame, like not Planet Hollywood, but you know what I mean, like that type of like <laughs> wax <religion>. statues. <laughs> no wax, but like I mean, I would say probably holograms were probably the most likely to me. Um, or something, but uh, I feel like there would be some sort of pomp. I would want to kind of see. Oh, you know, what it, like- you know what it should be? It should be a statue of Luke, but with a motion, like a motion set into his left arm where he's just throwing a lightsaber over his shoulder. Oh my God, that would be so awesome. What, that wouldn't that be just a great troll? That would be the best. That would be hilarious. <laughs> like, or you just oh like God. pop in a pop in a quarter, and then yeah. he just he just tosses like a, a lightsaber over his shoulder and cackles a la Joker. I mean, I would, I would be really interested to see, like, I would be interested to see a future, a very far future version of, um, of the universe and the galaxy, but, um, to see how, how legends age, like, you know, how, how, when we, when we hear about legends now, or when we listen to stories and then we watch what actually happened, you know, Chinese, like, what is it called? Like, Chinese telephone. It's, it like, its stories change and become more grandiose over time. So, like, to see kind of, you know, how consistent the story is from what we know versus what is being told and how that would influence, you know, the galaxy going forward. That's that's what's um, going to be cool about that, um, really cool. The, the book that's coming later this year, The about, like, the myths and legends from the Star Wars yes, galaxy. Exactly. That's exactly like what you're talking about. Exactly. So it's kind of like that, but it's the future version of that, of like the myths and, and, and legends are what we have already experienced for the last 40 years in the Skywalker saga, but now transposed in that like now for the for the future people, 
that book that's coming out in the fall that has the legends and the dragons and things, that's what that is for Galaxy's Edge is going to be like, you know, what um, th this Skywalker saga is for those people in the future. So um, I, I would be really interested to see like, you know, if they end up do going, if they if they do attempt to kind of do that, um, or if they are to if they don't want to if they want to shy away from that. Um, but I think there's some really interesting themes and uh, concepts and you know discussions to be had in that universe. So I think it it would be really interesting to see if they did do that. Um, do I think it would make sense in terms of like is it feasible? Um, with the technology and what we have available now to us, I don't know, but um, uh, we could, they can do anything now. I think I, I don't think that's even a problem anymore. They can they can do whatever they want to put on screen at this point. I think. I mean, I bet they can. <laughs> well, and, and JJ wears that reputation, right? He wears the reputation of a guy who can't close. Yeah. Air quotes. I don't know. I, I don't know enough of his work to really speak to that, but that he does own that reputation of, of being a guy who opens the story but can't uh, close it out. Yeah, like it, it has a tendency to have a slightly disappointing. Um, <laughs> Let's leave it at that before we start bringing people down. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I think it's hard. I think I think the reason why though, I, I'm gonna give JJ some credit. Is that well? He deserves a lot of credit, but I think I think the reason why people say that is because J.J. Abrams does have such a huge, like, incredible vision when he comes to a new project or he creates something. I think he's a very large cinematic. Like, he's able to dream up a very large universe that is very intricate and interesting. So, the more that you know, people explore that, their expectations become very high. So I think when you kind of are able to create this incredible universe and you build these expectations up to a certain level of a point, it, it, it you it's hard to make everyone happy because everyone someone is going to be disappointed and oh for sure you know, the only reason why people are saying it's like someone is disappointed in something is because they care and if they didn't care they wouldn't say it's disappointing because they wouldn't give a crap they would just be like who cares yeah they like, wouldn't have watched in the first place talking about? exactly it's because they have such fervent fans it's because you know it matters it's because he's probably been, he's been able to kind of open this new new era of of a whole new you know galaxy it's just it it's hard to say. I think when you're able to have vision that is is unique and not is something that not everyone has, um, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to chalk things up to you know if it's really just people are disappointed or are they trans are they projecting are they just jealous are they you know are are they viewing it with other lenses other than entitlement exactly. <laughs> You All right, know, well, let's, let's let's leave the episode nine stuff there for now, and uh, we, we we got some some reading to catch up on. Yes, let's have okay. Before we talk about Queen's Shadow, have you read anything else over the last month, or have you been too much too all over the place? I mean, I've been reading a lot of non-Star Wars things. Um, what? How dare you? I know it's bad. <laughs> you know, I just got like thirty. 40 like advanced reader copy things because I got a bunch of digital stuff and um 
I got some new cool things. Like I got the new um, Mara, like uh, Aquaman universe YA novel and like all these really cool things. But before that, like I, there's this book called The Secret History by Donna Tartt. It was, came out in the 90s or early 2000s or something. I'm, I'm obsessed with this book. It is the most ridiculously academic. Like these characters are are at a, a university getting their PhD in like Greek. It's it's insane, and they talk about like etymology and stuff. But it's so compelling. Um, so I've been reading that a lot, uh, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. But no, I I I've been reading Queen's Shadow. I've been listening to it and reading it. I actually prefer the audiobook. Um, but yeah, I haven't really been reading enough Star Wars this, this month. Well, I, I, I think, I think I covered enough for both of us then. I, yeah. I, I got through a ton of stuff since we last spoke and which is an achievement for me because I'm so slow at reading, but I, yeah. I finished Guardians of the Wills. Ooh. Yeah. I finished that. That was, that was, that was okay. Um, I started <laughs> and finished Pirate's Price, which I'll talk about. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I read a couple more of the age of comics in Star nice. Wars. And Star Wars issue 61. And then I got started on Queen's Shadow. Nice. But yeah, Pirate's Price. I want to talk about that because it's it's like, if there's something wrong with you if you don't love Hondo. There really, <laughs> I agree. There really is. And so this is part of like, it's the second book in this series called The Flight of the Falcon. It's a junior series. I think uh, Lando's Luck was the first and that came out last year. And it just basically follows the Millennium Falcon throughout the Star Wars timeline. On all these, which I'm going to guess are, are a bunch of like fairly inconsequential adventures, but fun. I, I bet you they're all fun. So that this one, Pirate's Price, it it's starts with with Hondo being tracked down by by uh, Bazine Natal, who we meet. She's like a mercenary bounty hunter type at uh, in in the Force Awakens at Maz's place. She's kind of dressed like a black and white Star Wars Harley Quinn. Mm. So she's tracked down. Hondo, who is in possession of the Falcon, which is weird, but it, uh, it's it's funny because like in, in it's it's broken up into three stories across. Like one is set, I would say, you know, in the Solo ish era, and then another in the post Return of the Jedi era, and then the final one is set post the Last Jedi. It's sort of the it's the piece of canon that kind of pushes just a little bit further after the Last Jedi, and it's 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 a fun, very silly romp. It's got some crazy planets, crazy creatures, some weird adversaries. Uh, it's got a whole lot of Han getting really aggravated with Hondo, which is always funny. And Han al- is always like this far away from killing Hondo. <laughs> but it's like you you picture how irritated Han can, and gr- how grumpy he can be. And it's always Chewie who's like, hey, give a guy a break. Like he doesn't like Hondo much either, but he kind of sees some value in him. And he's always right. sort of like, eh, you know. He's up on. <laughs> and if, at the third story, <clears throat> it's it's a huge dose of porgs aboard the Falcon. Yes. It's awesome. It's 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 hilarious. Uh, and and you can't take any of this book too seriously. Don't do that at all or you will not enjoy this book. Um but yeah, like do you know that children's book? It's a hardcover. Um Chewy and the Porgs? Yes, I have we have it in English and we have it in Japanese for my mom. It's her favorite book. <laughs> I was, I, I read it the night I read it to my daughter. I should clarify. <laughs> I read that story to my daughter the night that I finished uh, Pirate's Price. So there's like, 
maybe this is me, the canon junkie, looking too deeply, but I found like little connection, little connections there. It's it's like there was in um, Chewie and the Porgs book. Chewie goes looking for something to eat because he can't. He's not allowed to eat porg. So he's re- looking through the Falcon and <laughs> finds these this bag of basically blue blue marshmallows. They're, they're called like blue cubes or something like that. And they talk about that again in Pirate's Price, where Hondo is starving, and he's like, "What does this scoundrel keep on this on this Falcon?" And he's like tearing the place apart, and he finds these blue cubes. So I find that that little connectivity really really endearing. I I that's I get so much out of that. Um, but really, if if you know. As a canon junkie, I'm always looking for those things that I can take out of the story and apply to the like the greater galaxy. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of that in this book. Really, there's not. There's we don't visit any planets that we know. And I don't I don't recall being introduced to any characters that we already know, aside from Hondo and Bazine Natal. Um but we do like there is connectivity to Galaxy's Edge. Because, like, here's the the weirdest part about this is that after retur- uh, after the Last Jedi, of course, the Falcon is always banged up, and Chewie can't fix it. So he gives the Falcon to Hondo. Like, he just basically gives him the keys and says, "Go get this thing fixed up." Which I thought weird. Like, it didn't seem like a thing that Chewie would do. Yeah. So Hondo takes the Falcon to uh, the Black Spire outpost on Batu, which we're going to meet in Episode Nine, but also it is sort of the centerpiece of galaxy's edge that's what all this is about really it's all it's all sort of tie in to galaxy's edge uh but he brings it there and sets up he, he and he thinks about yeah, i'm gonna keep this ship i'm just gonna keep it and he sets up onaka transport services and he's using the falcon as sort of a uh a freighter that's what it is and <laughs> and he uses it as such <clears throat> but anyway like the book is just is, is silly fun and i wish i had listened to the audiobook because jim cummings narrates as hondo oh my gosh really yeah oh my gosh yeah i, I really I, st- I i want to grab it anyway just because you know to listen to like five hours of hondo yeah that's got to be something special uh, oh my so gosh. i mean would i tell you to buy this yeah. book you know they're, they're whatever they're, they're, it's the young adult novel so they cost like nothing they're like 12 bucks yeah, and you can usually find them like for deals if you Google or if you find if you go on bookdepository.com, there's always really good um like deals. And uh even if you go on like uh, Amazon Marketplace or Barnes and Noble Marketplace, like there's always really good deals and uh Book Off has stuff for cheap too. Yeah, it's it's again, it's a fun and silly romp and it's it's Hondo. You'll get a bunch of laughs out of it. Hondo's always talking about his dear sweet mother and the things that she used to tell him, which are just, it's just ridiculous advice. I, I I would say grab it if if you're somebody who just likes reading Star Wars. Go for it. Like you can you this is a, it's an easy breeze through. It's a short book, so you'll get through it quite quickly. And uh, yeah, I mean, and if, but if you want to grab the audiobook and listen to it on your commute. You'll be giggling. I'm sure, like I guarantee you'll be giggling, and people will will be wondering what's wrong with you. Um, and then is Star Wars issue sixty one. The other thing that I wanted to just bring up quickly before Queen's Shadow, uh, it closes out. Like I hadn't read a comic in a uh, from the main run in a while, but it closes out that arc with Han, Leia, Luke, and three PO stranded on that isolationist planet of Huben. Huben. Uh, so they're they're off that planet now. But the next arc. 
it promises, I think it's Kieran Gillen's last. I think from 62 to 67 is his final arc. And it's Leia going after Queen Trios and the the Shutoran Empire. I think Leia's had enough of, of her backstabbing. And so she's going after her. And it, I'm, I can't wait for this because we've never seen Leia have her own antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like there's always like the Empire as a whole. And like it's, it's Tarkin here or, you know... But really, she doesn't. There's like, there's no one person that you can associate as being Leia's villain. Yeah, you really can't. But in the comics, they've done that. Now it's it's Leia versus Queen Trios. And there's, I think that in one of the prior issues in the uh, the Hope Dies arc, there's a really cool scene where Leia catches like Queen Trios is like fleeing the ship, and she gets into an escape pod, and the door closes, and Leia catches up to her, and it was a very almost like walking dead moment where Leia's like, I'm going to kill you in the same kind of way that Rick promised Negan and the, and the governor that I'm going to oh kill you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh crap. Like when Rick, Rick promises he's going to kill you, he's going to kill you at some point. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's like a promise. That's not, that's not a suggestion. That's like a, he's like, no, I will. I, I am telling you. At least he believes I it because Rick didn't <laughs> yeah. kill the governor. No, he didn't. <laughs> and he hasn't killed Negan yet. Spoiler alert, the governor. That was uh, that was Michonne that did that, right? Mm-hmm. Good old Michonne. Love Spoiler Michonne. Alert. Spoilers. I love Michonne too. I love Michonne too. She's fantastic. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this final arc from Kieran Gillen. Uh, but uh, let's let's talk about our early thoughts on Queen's Shadow. I'm not very deep into it. I'm like at page fifty, sixty, or something like that. But like it's it's set four years after the Phantom Menace. But I'm I'm loving this book more than I thought I would. I, I expected to like it, or otherwise I wouldn't have bought it. But I'm really enjoying it. What about you? I'm loving Queen's Shadow. It's so good. Um, the audiobook is fantastic. There's like background like music. There's like when they're talking, like when. Uh, have you listened to the audiobook? No, it's Cat Tabor oh narrating too. So I, I would be good. interested. Oh my god, she's perfect. Um, and there's just like like when they're when the they're talking like the handmaidens, you can hear like birds chirping in the background, and like it, it's it's very like um, moody. It, it it sets the mood, and it has. I've never really listened to just like a normal YA book where there's actual like sound effects in the background, like a background track. Like I, it's just so evocative. Like I'm so glad that I, I bought it. <laughs> um, I actually I didn't use my monthly credit on Audible. I just bought it for nine ninety nine. But it was it was it's so good. I I thought I I don't I normally liked to follow along like reading while I'm listening, but I didn't have any service over the weekend, so I was catching up on a lot of work. So I was like on my phone, and I was like I need to you know listen to more. <laughs> I need to refresh my memory to prep for today. And I bought the audiobook, and I'm so glad because I think I'm actually gonna just listen to the whole book um first i just i love it um it, it, it's 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 really good and ek johnston so, is the author and she wrote ahsoka who is like a top five character for me i didn't love that book i thought it was good exactly. but i didn't think it was great this agree like padme is not anywhere close to my top five i of course but i love I'm padme but this i'm i'm like sucked into this book already to see where it goes i'm i'm super interested and i think I think part of that too is that we just really didn't, we only got like 
a, a like a tiny touch of what it's like in terms of like Padme and the Handmaidens, like in the prequels too. Like we didn't get a whole. I feel like we didn't get a whole lot. Like I feel like I remember she had them, and then one of them got shot in her place. And like I mean, those like when I think back quickly, like just not deeply thinking when I'm just like flashing things in my mind. Like that's those are like the first things that pop into my head. But like listening or like reading this book you get so much more of the nuance behind what it's like and all these girls and what it's like to be in this like kind of environment where it's just so removed from what we've been experiencing and work that we typically get from like a star Wars type universe. Yeah. Cause in the Phantom Menace, there's, there's like very little dialogue very little. between the, the queen and the handmaidens. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. very little. It's very little. And so, and it was, so it's really cool to uh, see that sort of explored a little bit in, in the early going did. in the book anyway. I really, I'm really loving like the beginning and I love how they're like shadily talking about how like when, um, was it, uh, uh, what's his face? Oh my God. I can't, my brain is blanking. Not Palpatine, Palpatine when he shows up. Like there's, right? And they're, that, like, they're like, why didn't he tell us it before? And he just showed up. I just, I loved that. It was so like, I don't, it was just so, it just really, because I went to an all-girls school, so that was very, like, it reminded me of being in, like, an all-girls school, where all kind of, like, what's going on, like, and you're gossiping, kind of, almost, um, well, I thought that was kind of funny, um, it's just, it's really interesting, like, I, because it, it is, like, so far, like, it's so, it's so much more, it's so much in the past now, that like we have it's it's fun because now we have so we have such a depth of knowledge of what happens in the future and we're yes. reading this book now so like it gives you like the little giggles of like when you're reading things and like when palpatine shows up you're like giggling like you're like mm-hmm. like i know what's going to happen and you're just like ah like you're just biting your nails like i i just i think like that's how i feel like it's going to be reading the entirety of this book i hope that it that's what it's going to be like because if it, if it keeps going the way that it's going now, um, I feel like it'll be really fun a read because oh yeah, like it, if it keeps up this pace for you know two ah, two hundred plus pages, like I this will be this will be a must read. I feel like we haven't really gotten like um one of the main canon characters like a, a book like this for a character who's that impactful before where we it's so much of her story that we don't know like. That's yeah, already, a whole like, decade. It's just crazy, and she's such a central character. So it's like it's it's so it's fascinating to me because reading this book, like we're getting so much more context, and like it's it's going to inform how we now view the movies. So I'm really excited because I don't I think this is just a whole new kind of way to experience the characters and. And, and this is getting me even more excited for Master and Apprentice because that's another, like, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Like, they're also very important, like, characters that are very much important to the overall story arc of the films. But I think with Padme, like, she, she is Luke and Leia's mom. Like, she she is very important. She was a very young empress. Like, it, it's so cool. Yeah, she's and she was, she was underserved in the prequels, I think. I, I don't think she was very well handled as, as a character, and it got it got worse as the movies went on, I found. It really did. And, and it was it was disappointing to me, because I really, when, when they brought her out in the first movie, I was obsessed, and I just wanted more. And I just, I, I was kind of sad. But 
I, I'm, I'm hoping that this book will redeem her. And I, I'm always living for any sort of like queen high fashion. So I mean, I, <laughs> lots of that. In here. Oh yeah. Me. And I think, um, uh, Eve from unmistakably star Wars. Like we've been talking for over a year about how we need, like how high fashion and star Wars needs to make a comeback because we need some star Wars. Oh, Um, but I, I need it. Like I just, I, it's, it's so, it, I, sometimes you just need something bright and shiny and fun, even though this is going to be a hard book, um, going forward, but still like, you know, sometimes you need the light and the pretty and the fun and the joyful, um, like star Wars to me is, is best when it's not taking itself too seriously. Yes. That's why the empire strikes back is so good. Like I, just listening to something recently where they're like that whole movie hinged on a puppet like and also mark hamill had to act with a puppet and had to make it believable like that was what the whole movie hinged on and and r2 and 3po are making jokes about laundry to to kick off the movie like people talk about empire being dark and i i guess it is but people miss out the jokes on on that movie like they're joking and bickering about laundry Yes, when I went to go see it last summer at the arc with the orchestra, I when we were watching like uh, the live orchestra was playing the score, and I watched the film at the Hollywood Bowl. And when we watched, we had watched um, A New Hope, uh, and then this was us watching Empire, and I just I was laughing the whole time. I forgot how funny it was, and like everyone in the in the area was laughing, and we were just like, it, it was so cool to kind of see other people laughing at the parts where I was laughing too, no, and to be, get that validation that, Oh, it's not just me. I'm not a weirdo (laughs) who thinks all this stuff is funny, but like a lot of people caught the humor and maybe it's because we're in Hollywood and you know, it's a bunch of people who are paying to see an orchestra play a score of a movie that they're obsessed with. So there's enough fans who I probably are who get it. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I think when people, when a lot of people say Empire is their favorite movie, they love it for different reasons. For me, I love it because of the levity in the face of the darkness. I think when you have a good balance, that's what makes a great movie. And so, um, you know, not all in like how, like, you know, how people say horror and uh, horror and humor is a very fine line. And that's why Jordan Peele does horror so well is because like, when you are scared, it, it, it apparently in your brain, it hits the same center, like pleasure or the same sen- the same endorphins that you get or released um, when you're laughing is the same when you get like a jump scare from a movie. So like, I feel like with the darkness and the levity, they're always hand in hand because you need, you, you can only see the light because you've experienced the darkness. And, you know, so it's because of the darkness that the light is so beautiful so i think that that's and that's like a huge theme of star wars for sure so, i mean it makes sense that there is levity and fun and humor and and, and just yeah just that whimsical weirdness that comes with all all great star wars yes. but yeah like when Palp- like palpatine showed up and oh my gosh like my i think my blood pressure spiked oh my gosh like as soon as they started talking about palpatine like same i was like uh, my heart just like skipped a beat and i was like, <gasps> like, I just, like right away your head goes to oh what is like what is he gonna do like like stay away from my stay away from her stay away from my padme you know and, like, and, and like, to johnston's credit like she at, at least in this point I, I don't know if there's more palpatine coming but like she nothing gets directly alluded to regarding palpatine or what he's up to and or or anything like nope. that but you know Masterful. you know it 
you know it. Like you, like you said, you know what's coming with this guy. And it, like one of the handmaidens, uh, she was in the room with, like, even though Palpatine <laughs> sort of said, let me, I, I'd like a few moments alone with Padme. Uh, like a couple of the handmaidens stuck around, but like go off and just hide, stand against the wall and just sort of observe. And when Palpatine left, she was like, there's something up with that guy. Like yes. he's, he's got something cooking and it's not moving fast enough for him. Like, exactly. And she's like her, like her specialty is like body language and facial mm-hmm. tics and expressions. And so she could tell Micro like, expressions. She was the original like lie detector. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, ah, so there's something shady about that guy. Like something's not, he's not happy about something. And it's like, I yeah, also, we know what it is. I also feel like that character, that handmaiden is going to be my favorite because I'm also that person. Like I'm obsessed with like, um, I love the show lie to me, which is like about, the the science of lying and micro expressions and all of that and when you're when you're lying and you mean yes but you're shaking your head no that means you're lying because your your head is involuntarily like giving you up and stuff or like you scratch your nose or you look to the left and I love stuff like that that so, was like, that was Tim Roth right mm-hmm, Tim Roth it was just it's a really good show it's on Netflix it's uh, it's based on a, a real man who does this for a living he's a a real doctor. Um, and I, when I watched that movie, I was like, oh my, when that show, I was like, I wish I had studied that. I, if that was a thing, I would have gone into that. That would have been a really awesome career. Yeah, My, my wife and I we used to love that show. And then it, it was just canceled. That. It was canceled. I was so sad when it got canceled. It was such a good show. All the actors on it are fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was uh, a, a re- for network TV, which I don't watch a ton of anymore. Like yeah. that was mm-hmm. a good one. And plus, at, at, at that time, it was, it, I feel like that was what, pay, it was one of those, it was too soon for its time, I think. Like, if it came on now on, like, ABC, AMC or something, I think it would, or Netflix, I think it would be super popular because it is doing really well on Netflix. Um, but, like, I feel like this Handmaiden is a mini yeah. <laughs> Dr. Light. And I think <laughs> that, like, that's that's who I thought of. I love that you watched that show because now you get my reference. But, like, that's. That's what I. What, that's who she was like. Oh my God, it's him. It's but it's a handmaiden version of him. Oh my God, I love her. And she was just like, she's my person right now. She is my my girl. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I like her a lot. Yeah, and, um, and we've gotten like pretty good close ups so far with a couple of the handmaidens who we only yeah. know, know by face from the Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. If if exactly. that, like, I still don't have their names straight, but I'm getting there already. Uh, the Sa- Sabe yeah. is who was the queen, uh, the Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm handmaiden so like she was basically the 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 main double for amidala Mm -hmm. like we learned pretty early on naturally that that sabe is um the closest to padme Mm -hmm. they're 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 those two were just a little bit closer than the rest Uh, but it was nice to see basically two friends like unpack like it was nice to see that friend relationship unpack in star wars Especially with two women. You don't see two women in Star Wars with a regular friendship without this galactic crisis over their heads. This was just them, like, kind of... And not just with a galactic crisis over their heads, but without any sort of, like, um, ulterior motive. Like, there's no ulterior motive in their friendship. Like, even though, yes, like, she's a handmaiden and, like, she's her double and they're friends, but there's no, like... You know, in, in terms of their the way that they um inter like not but their friendship like how their souls connect how their closeness i feel like it's just it's not like 
it, there's no kind of like, um, it's pure. Like it's not, there's not some sort of nefarious, like I'm trying to trick you for my own benefit type of thing. Yeah. Which no, I it's just a straight up very rare friendship. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful to see, um, because, because that even, even that moment, like in that film, um, where she sacrifices herself for her, um, that, that is one of it is one of the most impactful images um, of a film growing up as a teen, as a woman, like seeing that as a young adult, it, it moved me so much. Like it has a very huge, that is one of the lasting scenes in my brain. Like if you say prequels, that's one of the first things that pops into my brain. One where Sabic sort of becomes Amidala mm-hmm. as a decoy. Yeah. And then she dies in her arms basically. Oh, that was, and, uh, that was, um, are you thinking of Attack her? of the Clones? Mm-hmm. The one that yeah. blows up on the ramp, I, right? Yeah, that's exactly. that's Corday or Dorme. That, I mean, that that just broke my heart, and like being able to kind of now get this backstory of of her relationship with them, and then now when I when I finish this book and I watch that movie again, I feel like it's going to have a whole nother level of of just emotional visceral payoff that's going to mean so much more like that 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 scene of them acting with this nuance on top of it is going to be that much more powerful and it's already been such a huge powerful cinematic moment in my life and i'm, I'm sure a lot of other young girls who, have, who grew up oh, yeah there's that. a there's a huge like this is something i only re- learned recently is that uh during the prequel era there was like a whole subsection of of female fans who were mm-hmm. just yes. huge into the handmaidens the fashion yeah. of it just oh and their God. characters huge that that I, we don't hear about now but it was it was a mm-hmm. good little a niche of fandom oh yeah i i used to lurk on all of those <laughs> those web pages and the reddits and i mean anything i i was i was because back then my mom was a designer i was really into fashion so like for me that was that was that was what I loved. Like that was in that was probably like the thing that kind of first got me excited about them and then watching the story unfold it just kind of really kind of reminded me also. It's very I mean also because I'm Japanese and I grew up with, you know, the seeing and reading and studying old royal families where, you know, these women would become uh, these princesses and they would have these handmaidens. It's a very Japanese, like, um, like if you read the tale of Genji or, you know, any sort of type of older historic Japanese, um, story and, you know, the Star Wars saga is a westernized version or Lucas's interpretation of, uh, Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. So it has a lot of Bushido and, and Japanese, undertones in it and in terms of samurai jedi and the way that all their costumes are so i mean it naturally it makes sense you know with the colors that she wears a lot of red and the makeup that she wears on her face is very similar to the makeup that princesses in japan would wear in samurai yeah. times and shogun times so it's very so that concept of it like i i think going in i probably had a little bit more knowledge of what handmaidens are like and what they do behind closed scenes because i've seen that in japanese film um, but in kimonos, it's a little different, but I, I always wanted to know because with star Wars, the way that Lucas kind of modernized and westernized and made these 
ideas his own in his own interpretation in Western space, like I would have really uh, one of the things that I really wanted to know but felt I didn't get enough of was what is his version of handmaidens and how are they different from the source material of these Japanese princesses with their handmaidens. And I wanted to know, you know, what, how are they different in a Star Wars universe? How are they similar? And that was something that I always was really intrigued by and wanted to know. So I'm like, this book is just like touching on all those centers. And it's just so cool to like finally get this. It's like been you know, uh, since the nineties. So that's 20 years now. Yeah. And, well, so, and what's I mean, great about it. I don't know how far, like what time span this novel takes up, but yeah. I, I'm going to guess that there's going to be, there's still plenty of room to do a follow-up novel to this still oh, within yeah. that Phantom Menace attack of the clones timeline. Oh yeah. I mean, they did three, they're doing three Thrawn books. Like why can't they do three Padme books? I mean, E.K. Johnson's schedule, maybe, but um, I would be down to read more Padme. I feel like it, I, I would be in, I, I wouldn't mind if there was like at least two books um, to kind of follow up. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this goes. And I think once we get further down into the, the meat of, you know, once we get to two thirds down the way through this novel, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more of a good idea of where it's going to end and whether or not there might be an opening for more. Um, but there's just so much more to cover that I think would be really interesting. Like I would love to see more of like Padme's side of the story when she was going through, you know, everything in Mustafar or like dealing with, you know, Anakin or anything like, or nothing to do with Anakin, but like behind the scenes of when, when we weren't seeing her. Um, I mean, that yeah, would be interesting. It would be cool to like, just you like jump it right into the clone wars i i yeah i guess maybe the clone wars cool. animated series covers her enough there i don't know but there's mm -hmm. a there, you could you could certainly squeeze a novel in there if if they wanted to do that well i think the beauty of the novel is that if it's told in like a first person or a third person close you get that internal monologue that you don't really get you get more of an internal look through you get to see everything through the eyes of Padme almost everything at least and I think with the shows you do get that but the shows are are not just about her and her internal you know feelings and reactions and um thoughts of of things and Padme is a very interesting smart brilliant person she is a senator she is a queen she was a princess like she is she is fascinating. She is one accomplished woman at such a young age. And well, I, I, think, that, I think that's exactly like, that's the power of, of this exactly. book is that I, I feel like if you jump too far ahead, like if you jump and do a novel uh, during the clone wars, then the book becomes about it. her mm -hmm. fretting about Anakin. What's great about yeah, this I is that there's maybe we'll meet Paulo from the junior legislative thing. Oh my God. Yes. But it's, there's no like, Oh, it's about a boy or it's about that. Like no. it's about her and it's, it's about, about her, her relationship with her which friends, is, which is powerful. We need more stories that aren't about, see, this is, this is also one of my things. Like I know you and I are very uh, similar in that we're of the camp of like, well, why can't Ray end up alone? And like realize that she doesn't need other people or men to like define her. She can define herself. Like, I think that's really cool. And it's a very, it's, it's, it's not, you don't, children and girls and men and other people need to be able to see that 
sometimes at the end of the day, it's not about your gender. It's about who you are. And regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, like you can realize something. Maybe she's not going to be alone forever, but at this point in time, maybe she chooses herself. And that's a really great choice. And getting to see women as their own person, not just, you know, uh, um, somebody's arm candy or or a a vessel for bringing children into the world. Exactly. Like not all women are like women don't just exist to give you give children and like die. Uh, contrary to popular Star Wars, please, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I, that's probably the trope that like happened, unfortunately, but uh, the dead mother trope is not something that, you know, is fun to keep hitting you over the head it's with. True, you did it once, every, every, but again, every notable mother dies, like Padme <laughs> dies, yeah. uh, uh, Lyra dies, yeah. Leia's I'm mom sure, dies. Star Wars is a really good episode that's titled where where are all the moms or like where the all the Star Wars moms or why don't all the Star Wars moms get any credit or some someone did a podcast called that it's true like the moms don't really get that much credit and like even in Rogue One like if you've heard um in the past or if you I don't know how much this has been told but they they did a whole thing on uh uh Jin's mom she was supposed to be a Jedi yeah well she she was and she was that but that was supposed to be on screen but that movie before cuts was like four hours long and it was kind of like all over the place and they ended up deciding to cut that and so they basically cut it to her giving uh Jin the kyber crystal uh which was her kyber crystal that was in her lightsaber so basically that's her passing on her quote like kyber crystal to her daughter and that she's passing on this lightsaber kyber crystal whatever that's the whole point is that that's that was supposed to be the only reference to oh she was a jedi <laughs> like well they, just... it was that and they also wanted to they didn't want lyra and her force strength to like change the the, the conversation around Jin mm-hmm. to well is she a jedi yeah that that's, too they wanted to just kind of cut that off which i yeah, think is probably I... the smarter choice but man like exactly. imagine this the scene on uh, on Lamu when when <sighs> when Lyra ultimately dies. But imagine if she hauled out a lightsaber instead, and then like, my God, I would have I would have died. But then like she wouldn't have had the kyber crystal, and she wouldn't have like met you Dominos. know the, then exactly. And then you know uh, Chirut would have never been like oh the crystal like you know what I mean. That's how he found her, and then that's how they found each other, and you know that's how that group of ragtag teams got together and all this stuff. But I mean, it totally makes sense what you're saying. And that would have been really cool. And I mean, even if she didn't use a saber, she could have used the force because as a Jedi, you know, the force. I mean, and, and, and I, I get that it, it does kind of dilute or confuse the focus. And they really wanted and this is a standalone movie. So they want to make sure that, you know, it's focused on the point. And from what I heard of um, a friend of a friend who uh, was hired to go in and clean up the script to make it more coherent and concise. Um, she said that when she had entered into the project, it was very long and a little muddled and they needed to kind of make a more distinct path of like a narrative storyline. And so unfortunately that got left on the cutting room floor. But I did hear that in the novels, there is a story about her and her life and, 
as a Jedi and all of that. So she's actually a huge, um, you know, VA woman. Like, uh, she's a crazy... Well, in, in Catalyst, they didn't follow through with that. But they did, they did talk about Lyra's force sensitivity on, mm-hmm. on more than one occasion. So, uh, yeah, I, I, a part of me really wishes they'd followed through with that. But anyway, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's, that's and, a uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of does it for us this week. I mean, we'll, I think we'll come back next week or next, next time we chat and with a, like a much more thorough review of Queen Shadow. Cause I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to mm-hmm. buzz we'll right through this book. By, oh yeah. I'm going to be done by, by next, by next month. So we'll, we'll have a sure. full review next time and who knows what I think Master and Apprentice will be out by then as well. So we may have some will early it? impressions about that. I think, I think so. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that and celebration like will have come and gone. And we will have known, we will have solved the mystery of whether or not Michelle went to celebration or not. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Place see your happens. bets now, everybody. Place your bets now. Well, maybe, maybe whoever wins uh, I will give them a, I will send them. Oh, so recently I got, um, there's this new Funko like star Wars smuggler box that they're calling it. It's a subscription box. You can subscribe to They send you a box full of like different Funkos and cute little, you know, star Wars goodies, but it's a surprise. And so, um, whoever guesses right, I will send you one of those. Ooh, you can win one. There you go. Let's make an incentive. Let's do a poll on Twitter. <laughs> I will put it up or you can just like guess and then whoever, whoever guesses right. I will, I will pick randomly from that poll. Awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. All right. Shout <laughs> out. Shout out time to Rob Wade from emotionally14.com. Thank you, Rob, for endorsing this and every episode of the Tumbling Saber podcast as part of the E14 endorse program. You can check that out by visiting emotionally14.com. A bunch of really cool podcasts uh, that get the Rob Wade and the E14 stamp of approval. So we encourage you, go check that out and check out everything they do. If you like laughter, you you owe it to yourself to check out what Rob is doing. And uh, also a big shout out to our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check it out on iTunes or check out our website and explore what we have to offer. Whatever it is you like about Star Wars, we have a podcast that will cover it for you. So go check it out, StarWarsCommonwealth.com. And so, Michelle, we're done for for another week. And uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to get in touch with us and talk about what we spoke about this tonight? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at tediously underscore brief. And uh, you can come find me there and participate in the will she or won't she go to Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars Celebration and I entered to win a Smuggler's Funko Star Wars box. Um, mystery. So fun. I don't even know what's going to be in it because it comes in a white box. Uh, and on, you can find my uh, collectibles, my book blog, my pretty photos of my crazy bookshelves and libraries and all of my fun things and traveling uh, to cons and things at Traveling Book Nerds, all one word, at Instagram. And um, or on Instagram, sorry, and on Facebook, you can find me at Michelle Grandine. Um, and uh, you can also find us on our uh, Tumbling Saber group uh, through there because I'll be in there somewhere. Absolutely, yeah, come check it out. We are on Facebook. We've got a closed group. Just just come and check us out there. And there's there's three quick questions you got to answer before I let you in. But 
just yeah, just just answer them. They're simple. It's about Star Wars. <laughs> Very easy. Uh, so go do that. And also, you can check us out. If you've enjoyed our podcast today, you can also get more of that by becoming a patron. You can become a powerful friend at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber, where for just two bucks a month, you can get in on all kinds of extra stuff that we do, extra podcasts, a newsletter, and so much more. So check that out. And uh, otherwise, you can just connect with me on Twitter at tumblingsaber, as well as our friends. You can find Carlos at Music on Twitter. And you can also find Corey at Shop Rules with a Z. And uh, that'll do it. <laughs> That's it. Episode 167 is done. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Struggle for the answers. Questions frighten me. Circles getting wider. It's harder just to see. Shivers, the shower out through my eyes.